developmental hockey episode four. A uh, lot going on again, uh, so this will be a, a quick touch, a little shorter. A um, lot going on, so make sure you're staying healthy, make sure you're staying safe, uh, settle in, enjoy uh, the fourth episode of the uh, developmental um, podcast here and um, all under the umbrella of War Room. And uh, make sure you subscribe, you rate and review, you share, uh, you f- like and follow on social media platforms. And uh, again, we appreciate all your support and uh, for tuning in. So uh, thank you again. Episode four of Developmental Hockey. Um, we'll just keep going here real quick just to touch on on different things. Um, I just want I just want to say one quick thing and I promise it'll be very very brief about the virus you know I'm not a huge NBA fan I'm not that demographic right never had a lot of good things to say about the culture never watched NBA games not a big fan of the way the guys behaves behave themselves and and uh, the way the money is abused and things like that but all that being said I have to give I have to give a shout because you you know me. It's the new and improved me 2.0. I'm now giving credit where it's due regardless of my my subjective feelings. The guy who, went, and I believe if I have the name right, I want to get the name right, it's Gobert. Uh, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Made a bit of noise by going to his presser and... and touching like, everything. Touching and, everything, yeah. licking the microphone and that whole deal. I love that. I absolutely love that. That was up yours to the coronavirus. That was in your face. You got nothing. That was absolutely drawing the line in the sand, thump your chest, and dare that thing to come get me. And I loved that. And well, I, I think it's awesome that he he was the first guy that really made a, a scene about it, and, and he got a lot of criticism. And I won't get into both sides of that, because really I'm not interested in anybody else's yeah. side. <laughs> well, that's but, your that's your take. That's a take on it. There, but but the hype is too much for me, and I think it's oh, fun I agree. that and and now two or three weeks later, he's fine. Well, he's here, not dead. No, but here's the problem. And and again, this is not to get both sides. This is not to carry on too much. This is developmental hockey. We're going to get into it, uh, not carry on and ramble like we tend to do. But the only problem with that whole thing was that it was less. It was less about him giving an up yours to it, like like bring it on, and it was more about him not taking it seriously. And wh- and whether or not it's blown out of proportion or not, it's still something that needs to be taken seriously because it's affecting people. And he and he did it because he wasn't taking it seriously. There there's statements from his teammates that he was not he was doing that in the locker room with their personal stuff too. And and not only that, but then immediate and th- but then after that, guess what? Several of the Utah Jazz players tested positive for it, so it's one of those situations. Are they dead? Did no, they get the sniffles? No, but the problem the problem is is you're looking at it from the perspective of of the me- fear and the hype from the media of oh my gosh, are they dead? And yes, I will agree on that. The only thing I will say is that there's still a there's still a respect factor that you have to show to the people around you that you're not going to come up to them no matter how they feel about it 
cough in your hand and, sh- and then shake their hand for the sake of going, ha hey, watch this. No, not so, to somebody else. But I thought that it was funny that, that just to the virus in general. To the, the virus that, to the virus in general, yes. God, but I, that's not what he would. But to be fair and honest, that's not what he was doing. He wasn't doing it to the virus itself. He was doing it because he was one of those people who wasn't taking it seriously. And I'm not saying buy into the fear and buy into the hype. But you do need to take it seriously enough to the fact that it's affecting and, and even killing some people. And he was not taking it seriously at all. There's a respect. F- there is a respect factor. And you and I may disagree on this, but there is a respect factor to the public and the people around you that if you're going in front of the media, you're not coughing and licking and touching all the microphones and the things that they now have to take home with them or do whatever. You're not going to your teammates into their own personal bags and into their own personal things and pawing it and everything like that. And then walking away chuckling. Okay. I get, okay. So I, I, I get that. But if, and if somebody is at risk or if somebody is concerned about it, then fine, keep your distance. But anyway, I, you know, I really don't, I don't have to be fair when I'm right, I... it depends on how you, you're looking at it, though. You're right, and and we talked about it off recording to the point where we can both objectively say we agree with each other in the in the BS nature of the fear mongering and the hype around it. But Rudy Gobert tested positive for it, and then as a result of him hamming things and touching things his teammates tested positive for it. So the point the point I think we can all agree on, I think we all should be able to agree on, is there's still a respect factor in the public where you're not going around doing that That's fine. simply because of your views, right? I just, there, if, if we, I think we could fix all this with a 30-day total 100% shutdown of every news source written spoken internet you name it put a complete lockdown on every news source in the world for 30 days and this thing would fix itself no i agree Anyhow. i i agree and we are on and and this is the last i'll say about it um and then we'll move on but you and i are you and i are 100 on the same page with every aspect of this Including if we both lose the emotion of it and we objectively look at it that Rudy Gobert should not have did what he did. It's the same concept. It's the same concept of really anything else. He shouldn't have done it. His his mindset toward it, we agree with. It's like it's, drinking it's and driving. The, you're endangering the, other people. You're endangering other people. You you can have the mindset that okay, this is a, an extreme version of the flu, but he shouldn't have did what he did because it's in, now it's endangering other people, right, in that overall context right. of that. At the end of the day, it's right. like anything else. He shouldn't have done it. The media shouldn't fear monger. You, you do all that stuff, and there's a respect factor here, and, and things start to go away. And I think objectively, take out the emotions of it. We can both agree on all those levels. Correct? Good. Okay. All right. Developmental hockey. Um, real quick. Um, I mentioned it. If you uh, are listening, if you've listened to uh, War Room, the Hockey Podcast, episode 49, we met, briefly mentioned it. Um, first thing I want to do is congratulate um, the first ever WHL player 
to be granted exceptional status. Um, BC Hockey proud to announce that North Vancouver's Connor Bedard yep. is the first player ever in WHL history to gain exceptional player status for eligibility in the WHL. So and a handful in the Ontario League, and I believe, uh, what, a couple in the Quebec League? No, a handful, but this is the first in WHL first history. In the WHL. So uh, congratulations to Connor Bedard on that. Um, we'll be watching that career closely for sure. Absolutely. So again, and again, we touched on it in episode 49 for the Hockey Podcast, but again, the WHL has officially canceled their playoffs and the rest of their season. The CHL in general has done it across the O and the Q. Um, all junior leagues, including the NCAA, have canceled. Again, we touched on it in, in episode 49 um, that the NHL is the only hockey league left standing. Even the K- KHL has canceled, um, ECHL, AHL, um, all these things. The NHL is the only one left standing with hope that they'll be able to at least award the Stanley Cup at some point. You know who might be the only people that are happy about all this is the Kelowna Rockets and maybe not necessarily Bruce Hamilton and his family, the owners, but that team was in trouble. And you know, they're our hometown dub team. You know, we love them, but they were in absolutely over their heads going into the Memorial Cup against some of the, whoever it was going to be left standing on the other uh, invitations from uh, from the O, the Dub, and the Q, yep. they were going to be in trouble. And so you know, having respect, an extra year to get out, and yep. then and then hosting it yep. and, and respect getting clobbered to, at home. Respect to Nolan Foot, who put out a statement at the about the end of his junior career and and everything. And as a player for a team, you want to have that confidence, and you want to you want to go into it that that you have every chance to win the Memorial Cup as anybody else, which technically they would have because they were hosting it and they would have been starting at 0-0 come Memorial Cup time like any other team. Um, but he did say in his statement that he wishes that they that they could continue in order to win. And I looked at it and I, was, I read it and I said, well, good for him. Obviously, for a lot of reasons, he, ha- he has every right to say that and he should say it. But on top of that, he's also not going to say anything else because he's a member of that team, right? So he's not going to come out and say anything else. But I did look at it and say, well, Nolan, all due respect, kid, but the likelihood that Kelowna was going to knock off Halifax, London, Chikudami, Sherbrooke, Sherbrooke, I mean, not Medicine Hat, Edmonton, any of these teams to win the Memorial Cup was not likely. So... Good on you for that confidence. Nolan Foote had a, had a tremendous career, and he earned himself a first-round draft pick in the NHL. And he's he's been traded now, and he's going to get more playing time in New Jersey than he would have in Tampa, and more of a chance anyway for playing time. I mean, so lo- things are looking up for him right now in his hockey career moving forward and everything. You know, and he, he, he did have a junior, a good junior career, yeah, four years in Kelowna, um, going to go down as one of their leading scorers and a tremendous leader and everything yep. like that. Good for him. Good kid. His family uh, has residents in Kelowna, I believe. Yep. They um, sure do. Adam, his dad, Adam, and his mom and everything. But um, the likelihood that they were going to win the Memorial Cup was not great. So, But again, congratulations to Nolan on a good um, junior career. He so. looks like... He looks like a young, uh, a junior-aged Braden Shen to me. Looks very much that way. 
big body, good good in close. Um, probably not going to beat a lot of guys outside, but he'll uh, he should have a long long career in this show. Uh, well, let's keep things moving. Um, we'll touch on cool. a, a couple things here to close out the week with War Room here, um, bringing you guys um, at least some hockey content uh, so you guys still feel in touch with the hockey world a little bit. Um, developmentally, um, again, same way, all the leagues have been canceled, so there's not a lot of current action or current things to discuss but from a developmental perspective there's always at least something to mention so developing never stops that's the thing i mean it can be the off season you might be injured it might be the middle of the summer uh you might be in a shutdown that you never expected like this or a labor stop or something like that but uh but developing as a player developing as a human being never stops and they're they're one and the same i it dawns on you when you when you talk about drafts and about players who made it and didn't and guys who came out of the fifth round like Pavelski or the sixth round to become stars. Um, it it never stops when you look at the way a guy has to develop. And as we talked about in one of the early broadcasts on the developmental side, there are only a handful of guys in the world and I'll say guys, but this includes the the female game as well, a handful in the world that don't ever experience being cut, being overlooked, uh, whether it's for the world junior team or going to camp and getting sent back to the minors or getting going to camp as a teenager and getting sent back to junior or going to junior camp and getting sent home or being cut from your bantam or midget team. Most guys have to fight through that at some point. Now, a lot of the guys that make it to the NHL have been the best player in their association at their age group in their community for their entire lives. Many of them have not. And at some point, even if you are the best player in your area, the best player on your midget team, at some point when the pyramid, when the, the pyramid comes to a point, whether it's in junior or in college or in the minor leagues or in the show, when the, when the when you're up against better competition, you're going to have to fight and scratch and claw. So, experiencing that as a kid, n- nobody ever learned great lessons from winning. And take it from the greatest scorer ever, Wayne Gretzky, he said we had to learn how to lose first. We had to get the crap beat out of us by the Islanders, and. When you know when when they walked by the dressing room after the Islanders eliminated them, they weren't in there with champagne and cigars. They were in there with ice bags. So you have to learn what it's like to lose in order to learn what it's like to win. And that's that's something that's hard as we talk about quite often on this uh, on this portion of the broadcast. It's it's hard for kids to understand that. It's hard for coaches to do that because your only currency, and uh, you know this as a player. And as a coach, your only currency is ice time. Yep. You can't always chew somebody out. No. Some of them turn the other way. When you tell them, you get on a guy who doesn't particularly like it when uh, the whip is taken to him, he's going he's gonna to sit down like a mule in the road. He's not going to do anything for it. He won't play. So that can become his problem if he's trying to make it to the next level. It can become your problem if you're in the if you're at the higher levels and you may get fired because your players mutiny on you. So you can't always tear strips off of your guys. 
the, it, it, that only lasts so long anyway. Your only currency is ice time. You take that away, that's the punishment. Now the stats go down. Now the anger comes up. How, do you, how are you responding to that? You know from playing, and you saw, you saw it happen with me, sometimes you bench a guy just to see what he does. Mm -hmm. might not even deserve it. He does nothing from one week to the next and he gets benched. I want to see if he's going to pout or if he's going to dig in and work harder. I want him to come to me and say, what do I need to do? Like, I want to play more. I want on the power play. I want to do, I want more minutes. What do I have to do to get better? That's what you want to see. A, a guy like that, a guy that that is the best in the world, like a Crosby or McKinnon, and he's still the hardest working guy all summer long, that's what you're trying to create. And well, so it's an example that the culture needs to change developmentally. It yep. the culture needs to change a bit. There again, we've mentioned it, we won't beat a dead horse, but but there's a lot overemphasis on a lot of winning and going undefeated and, you know, this and that. Well, and and it's like it's like I mentioned last week. And that is character is built through adversity. You got to teach these kids to lose Absolutely. going 34 and 0 in your league is, is tremendous. Good for you. But you obviously didn't really have to coach and you didn't, and the kids didn't really have to learn anything because they're just skating circles around everybody. Right. Yeah. So change the culture, take the kid that's borderline B and A to the A team so he can develop and play at a higher level. Start doing these things, change the culture, teach him adversity, teach him how to lose, learn what kind of coach you are as a result, yep. all these things, and start developing better so that you're developing kids that know how to get cut, that know how to face that adversity so that they can be an Andrew Cogliano and a Blake Como and a guy that produces at the highest level and always has a job, even if he's not Sidney Crosby or Nathan McKinnon. And because that's the majority of what NHL players are. Exactly. And that's everything like that. Going that undefeated and everything like that and, and all the time and taking only the best for the A team and all this stuff doesn't teach these kids anything other than, well, I'm the next superstar. So that then when they don't make their college team or they don't make the NHL, they downward spiral because mm -hmm. they've never handled it before. Exactly. And teach as a coach, them, that's difficult. Teach them that they're not next to Sidney Crosby, that they got to work. Not that Crosby doesn't, but they got to work and they got to develop and that if they come in and they're the next Connor McDavid, tremendous. But if they don't and they continue to play hockey, no matter what league, they're earning a paycheck, they're doing what they need to, they're playing the game they love, and they're working for it. The culture needs to change a little bit. This, You know I play, I don't play beer league, but I'm, I play with the same guys every week. I play in two different situations, and, and it's all the same. You, people expect you to work. They expect you to show up and act, even though it's just, it's a no whistle game. They expect a certain level of kind of, let's say commitment out of you. You, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but back, uh, let's say Keith Kachuk was, a, is a good example. Mark Messier is maybe the best example ever, but the good teams had at least one of them, and, and most good teams had a whole nucleus of guys that were the first one to practice. They were on the bike. They were on the ice. They were staying late. 
They weren't, they weren't bolting directly from practice to the bar. They, and, and if you didn't step into line and play along, if you weren't working as hard as him, you were going to get, you were going to get a couple of great big, enormous fists around your Adam's apple in front of the whole room. Who do you think you are, kid? What do you think you're going to do here? You think you're good at this level? Dope slap, dope slap. Next thing you know, this kid is either packing his stuff and going home to mommy, or he becomes a hard worker and he becomes a pro. And that's the way the room polices itself. That is harder to do now. And it's harder to do as a coach, as we talked about, let's say almost a year ago now, about the coaching controversies that everybody had to go through. Now you can't even do that as a coach. You, but the only thing you can do is park them in the press box. Get the message or don't. I really don't care. Your next contract is coming up. And if you're a seven-minute guy with 13 points, guess what? You're headed for the KHL is what. And if you, if you take that and as a, as a coach, you want a guy beating down your office door saying, look, I've got to get better. I got to do something. What do I need to do? You need to get stronger. You need to get better at this or this, or let's look at film or whatever. The great players are taking that on themselves. They don't need to be coached. They don't need to be ramrodded. The good players were once great at a lower level, and now they're just average players on the second or third or fourth line in the show or in the AHL, but they're making a paycheck. And it's because they've figured out that they don't, don't have enough talent alone to make it anymore. And that's the message that really isn't, I don't think it's properly conveyed for the most part from minor hockey on up. There's too many goal celebrations. There's too much, there's too much fluff and a lot of fluff. And look at it, it. You, you know, this, no matter what, how you look at it, I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Maybe the, maybe the whole league, and by the league I mean the NHL, maybe at some point you can all skate away from checks. Maybe you skate up to a guy, he passes the puck, you don't take that extra half stride and, and wallpaper him. You just turn away. Maybe that's the way the game is going. Everybody's wearing visors, everybody's playing. See, that's a different context, though, than that's a different thing in regards to being uh, in regards to an old school mentality of the game. That's accurate, but that's a different argument than the fluff around developmental hockey. The fluff around developmental hockey is this, this, uh, and I guess it goes hand in hand a bit, but the, the fluff around developmental hockey and youth hockey is that there's a lot of emphasis in all the camps and all the practices and all the private lessons and all this stuff of, of, teaching to shoot bar down and these fancy fluffy things rather than teaching somebody to shoot the puck on net with, with some, with some oomph and some, some force or shoot it from inside the dots instead of the blue line. Exactly. So, and I use shooting as the example, but it's, the point is still valid. That's where the fluff comes in. And that's where I've witnessed it in, in, with coaches and with specific associations from my time coaching, you've seen it in as the years have gone on. There's a lot of BS and a lot of fluff in developmental hockey in regards to winning and regards to coaching and all these things. And, and that's, that's where the culture needs to change. And that's why, look, the game is fun. It needs to be fun. 
It needs to be fun at every level when you're an Adam playing house league or when you're in the National Hockey League. The game needs to be fun. It is not fun to suck. It's not fun to be lazy. It's not fun to float. If you if you don't find if you don't find it fun to work hard and sweat and grunt and have aches and pains and and bust it every time you get a chance and on and off the ice, if that's not fun, you probably picked the wrong you. game. Yeah. Play an instrument. I don't know, but even there, if you want to ever be good at anything, you have to work at it. Well, that and that's an, something that further proves my, and this is has quickly become my my theme of 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 the week and of the day the culture needs to change yep. because in in youth developmental hockey there's a separation and and everything between winning and fun right you're either you're either at the the C level just skating around everybody gets equal ice time fun or you're or you're constantly taken for the A team going 35 and 0 and where the culture needs to change is the fun needs to be in the development. The right. fun, it's fun to get better. There needs to be balance. It needs to meet in the middle. The fun needs to be working to get better. The fun needs to be the development. The fun needs to be that, yeah, you know what? We may not win the state championship and we may not go undefeated, but because I've got four kids that, that, could have dominated at the B level, but I took for my A team for their development. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to be tremendous. We're not going to go undefeated, but we're developing and we're, we're having fun learning and getting better. That's where the fun needs to come in. And if from the parents and the kids, if that's not fun, Hey, more power to you. Just stop playing the game then because the fun needs to be in the, in the development and getting better. And coaches starting at the youth hockey level on up need, need to emphasize that, that the fun is getting better. The fun is the development. The fun isn't equal ice time. The fun is you're earning that game winning goal in the state championship. Right. You're earning these things rather than, rather than going undefeated simply because out of all the associations, you've got all the kids that are going to play triple a next year. It's it, and so, there's there's another conception that, uh, or maybe misconception that needs to be addressed, and that is playing on a really good team. Now, on one hand, if you are the if you're the third line guy, and I'm going to throw out the fourth line because in most developmental hockey there is no fourth line. But if you're the if you're on the last line on a really good team you're playing against really, really good players every day in practice. And you're hanging on by your fingernails, trying to keep up with great players. And that is always good for development. But at the same time, and it, it was, it's great to be on a winning team. If you're going to regional tournaments, that's where the most scouts are. So if you're wanting to be offer sheeted by a, a junior team or seen by uh, college recruiters or pro scouts, that you, you want to be in the places where they are, but I'm telling you, there are there are more guys than not that came from horrible teams, but their work ethic and their talent was such that somebody came to a game to watch a kid 
the guy came to see the goaltender on the other team, and he ends up looking at the defenseman on your team because that kid is just a hardworking kid, plays every shift the same way. He's a good teammate. You talk to the coaches and the trainers, and he's respectful, and his billets love him, and he's good in school and everything like that. Those You can get picked up if you have, uh, as, as we said before, two things. If you can skate and you have good character, you're going to get seen. Playing on a good team, it's great because your teammates are good and they're going to hold you accountable and you're going to have to play against good players in practice. Playing on a poor team, you're going to get more ice time. You're going to get a chance to be a leader and shine and bring up the lower level guys with you so you can do it either way. Take whatever is dealt you as a player, take it, make the most of it. You're not going to like every coach. You're not going to like every teammate, but make the most of it. Be good, uh, be of good character, and work on your skating. And always, always, always try to get better. Yep. Talk, talk to guys in the league right now. Mark Shifley comes to mind. The guy's constantly watching film. He goes home at night and watches video, breaks down video of himself. And he, he doesn't want to see the goals. He doesn't want to see the, the highlight reels. He wants to see where he failed. And that's how you're getting better. This is a guy making a mountain of money, and he's playing on the top line in the National Hockey League. And he's trying every day, all 365 days a year, trying to get better. And that's how that's the difference. Yeah. We'll end real quick. This is where we're going to end, but we're going to end real quick. I want a little uh, story that's relevant. My midget minor AA year, three-quarters of our team technically – didn't belong at the double midget minor double a level we went oh and 19 but we never as far as i remember we never lost a game by more than two goals right we were always in every game and you know what we went oh and 19 and every one of us came to the rink every day for, for practice with a big smile on our face we were ready to go. Yep. And I guarantee you we wouldn't have had that same effect if we went 19-0. and 0. No. And we learned a lot. Three-quarters of the players went on to play varsity high school, went on to play AAA, went on to play, you know, at their went to Division two college, all this stuff because right. of the development that we got going 0-19 at the midget minor AA level. Right. Because at practice, it then became a... What do we have to do to compete? Yep. This is where we learn. This is where we get better. This is where we correct our mistakes. This is what we do to compete. We wouldn't have had that development if we went 19-0. and 0. Nope. So we learned a lot that year. Yeah. That year was a tremendous year. It sucked because we didn't win. <laughs> so from the – absolutely, I'll, I'll admit it sucked because we didn't win. I remember that but we year. Never lo- we never lost a game by more than two goals. There was never a game that we were – greater deficit than two goals you made him work for it we made him work for it every shift was grinding and just if you're gonna beat us you're gonna you're gonna score dirty goals and you're gonna beat us by one or two that's it that's what we accomplished and we learned a lot from that and that that right there was adversity and development through trial by fire yeah and that's how you how you that's how we were able to to grow as human beings exactly. as well. 
we I, we wouldn't have done that if we went 19 and 0 no. and it it would have been fun cool 19 and 0 we're winning games we're competing for championships whatever but you know what it was fun to come to the rink because the fun was in the getting better yeah. the fun was in the learning you have to enjoy a good scrap you yeah. do absolutely have to in, have pure enjoyment in a good scrap and for you guys it was going to practice every night working your butt off Hats off to your coach. I remember that year well. I didn't always agree with everything he did, nor do I agree with everything about anybody. And every but, game was fun because even but, if we lost, every game was fun because every shift was every shift was work. Every shift was work. grinding. Yeah. Every every game was intense, and you felt even if you were sitting on the bench, you felt involved, yeah. and you felt you know every game was that way. It's a great example. Very it, good example. So. Going 0-19 from a winning perspective sucks, but from a developmental perspective, there's no better way to to develop young hockey players and young men than that type of adversity, especially when you come in. Three-quarters of us can all agree, if any of them are listening, that we came in making the midget minor AA team. We come in high, like, oh, this is going to be tremendous. And we go 0-19, shock to the system, but... It was fun because we played the game, we learned, and we got better. I remember watching games, watching you guys play, and um, that was not a team that I was involved in, but it was was one of the most enjoyable years I've ever had as a hockey parent because the parents never turned on one another. The, The attitude in the stands was probably the same as it was in the dressing room, which is no coincidence. If you get a bunch of bickering and snotty behavior in the stands, guess what on, on the way in, to the rink and back is going to happen to the kids. So for us as hockey parents, it was one of the most enjoyable years, even though you didn't win a game. It was, there is no, uh, being ashamed in defeat is absolutely not the way to go. Expect to win every single night or don't go on the ice. Always expect to win always take losing like a man and come back and get better the next time. And that's that's exactly what you guys did. I remember the kids skated with one of your teammates not long ago, which was further evidence that I am way too old to be where I was because he recognized me and I didn't know who he was. And he told me that he played uh, midget double A with you. And I went, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta pull a hammy and get out of here. This is awful. But good kid. Good player today, good character today, uh, as he was back then, and and that comes from the coaching staff and from the parents, and that's that's what we're talking about. Yep. From the and we mentioned it in ten different ways every week, but it's parents, it's coaches, it's players, it's the system around you, and it comes from inside the player. So that, that was the best year for my development as not only a player but a man that in my hockey career. Because we went 0-19. So that was 19 times where we walked away going, we could have won that game if this or that were better. Now let's go correct it. Right. That was that, 19 times to learn. You know what I'm and, glad? I never thought of that. I'm glad you brought that up because that that should be that should be kind of the founding theme of this whole this whole situation here. This and I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was fun to lose. <laughs> no. But what I'm saying it, from a developmental perspective it was still fun to come to the rink. It was a close group of guys, close group of kids. We we all got along. There was yep. never any tension in the in in that locker room. And going 0 and 19 sucked from a winning perspective, but from the proper development, 
it was 19 times plus, including tournaments, 19 times when we won tournament games. So in league play, we went 0-19. But win or lose tournaments regular season, that was 19 plus times to develop and get better. Yep. To and, leave the rink with your chin up. Leave the rink with your chin up, knowing that you made them work for it, you competed, and you're now you're going to come back correcting those mistakes so that you don't make them again, even though new mistakes will crop up, and you get better, and you learn, and you develop, and you rely, and on top of that, when that happens, guess what? You rely on your teammates, and you rely on the people around you to keep your chin up and to keep moving, going, you know what? We'll see you tomorrow for practice. Right. Here, here we go. Let's go work for it. Let's go sweat. And even whether you're a third line guy sitting on the bench most of the game, or you were one of the stars on that team, win or lose, that was one of the that was arguably the best year for development in my career as not only a hockey player but a man I'm that glad I you had. Brought that up. So thanks for doing that. Tremendous, tremendous year that year. So if any of them are listening, thank you for a good year. Uh, to the coach, didn't always agree with him either, but you know what? He was a driving force behind us to keep our chins up and to keep moving and keep pushing. Absolutely. Um, so that was that was a fun year, no matter what. So, just wanted to throw that out there as an example of the type of development you can have, whether you win or lose. So, uh, we'll close there on that um, developmental hockey episode four. Thank you for your patience through all this stuff socially, through all our technical difficulties. Thank you for joining in the studio again for the second day in a row here, and. Uh, I'm Evan Rauer with War Room Hockey Podcast, um, and now with the Developmental Hockey Podcast. I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.